Welcome to Conquering the Seeds of Destruction, bringing help and encouragement to those dealing with real-life issues. To learn more, visit ConqueringSeedsOfDestruction.com. Welcome to Conquering the Seeds of Destruction, and my name is Maureen Y. Smith. Now, within the discussions today and all the discussions moving forward in this particular chapter, which is chapter 12 in the book, let me say that if children are listening to the program, parental discretion is advised due to the sexual content of the chapter. I know I have mentioned this previously, but I do feel it is important that I share that up front. I do have that listed also at the top of chapter 12 in the book as well. I will be discussing some topics that are very rampant in today's time, and all of them will be discussed in a biblical nature. I will spend some time with this chapter, but I did just want to share up front that parental discretion is advised, even as it is discussed biblically. Now today, I will be discussing the new seed that the enemy can plant into you if you continue to listen to his voice. And that new seed is called the seed of lust. So let's go ahead and define it. Lust means usually intense or unbridled sexual desire. It also means lasciviousness. The scripture reference is one that I have shared many times, but I'm actually going to be sharing it from the Amplified Version because I just really believe that it captures the degree of lust. So the scripture comes from 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. And it says, Do not love or cherish the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, Love for the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, craving for sensual gratification, and the lust of the eyes, greedy longings of the mind, and the pride of life, assurance in one's own resources, or in the stability of earthly things. These do not come from the Father, but are from the world itself. And the world passes away and disappears, and with it the forbidden cravings, the passionate desires, the lust of it. But he who does the will of God and carries out his purposes in his life abides or remains forever. And again, that's 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17 in the Amplified Version. Now, the seed of lust can be a very hard seed to overcome for some people. So the goal becomes, will you fight the temptations of your flesh or will you give in to them? As you live in today's time, unfortunately, it is very hard to avoid just seeing it front and center for you. Even if you took away the TV or the movies, or the magazines, or the strip clubs, or the DVDs, and the internet, and other websites, there is still some sexual overtone being discussed. Even with just small, subtle messages of it being displayed, especially even in some cartoons, which are supposed to be really designed specifically for just children. 
but you can sometimes see those little hidden messages being displayed or said within the context or within certain statements. These outlets have not only made it accessible to explore lustful desires, but have also helped to create more visible desires being shown to the public. Although many temptations can be visible and come to you, it is still your own choice that will be made that will determine if you will give in to the desire of your flesh or if you will avoid the temptations and stay obedient to God. With this particular seed, it is not only a hard one for people to deal with, but it can also be intertwined with so many other vices that people can get caught up in. This causes the enemy to deepen it even more, making it difficult to let go of the seed. The less that God is talked about, the less that people share how God has moved in their lives, the less that people discuss their testimonies, and the less that the world mimics God's character and live according to his way. And as a result, you will see more and more of the things taking place present day with the seed of lust. The teachings of discretion and privacy and sacredness and holiness seem to move further to the back, while outright, provocative, explicit sexual implications bombard the airwaves. You already see broken relationships and broken marriages and sexual attacks and pornography and sexual trafficking and all of the money that's being made from the exploitation of it. And as you know, the list can just go on and on and on. This is what the enemy is trying to show though. And it leads to the enemy's ways of being revealed and even lived out. What makes this more complicated is when the children of God are not being obedient to the teachings of God. If the unbelievers don't see changes in Christians' lives, why should the unbelievers change what they are doing? Their rationale is that the church folk aren't any better. If a life is not changed, then the real question is, are they in Christ? Or to even just put it another way, is Christ in them? So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Let me say that one again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And again, that's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Now, when a real encounter takes place with Christ, you have a sincere desire to change your life, to please Christ and not yourself. Your dedication and commitment to self has now shifted to a new level of living your life in a way that glorifies God. Your understanding and realization guide you into doing things differently because of this transformation that has taken place with you. What needs to be addressed is the amount a person is willing to change for God. Before you can decide to change, it becomes necessary to understand what's really going on in your life. 
When the enemy is planting the seed of lust into you and trying to get you off of your course, he does this in two different ways. The first way is to get you to a place of remembrance of your old life, or maybe just the things that you used to do when you felt like you were living life at its fullest. He always just tries to create a narrative into you to make you give into it. So for instance, he may start off trying to influence you to start doing things either from your past or to revisit some things that made you just feel good. Now he will continue to tell you that it won't hurt you if you just do certain things every now and then. By doing it that way, you can satisfy yourself and still feel as if you are satisfying God at the same time. So there will be no harm done on either part, or at least so he tries to tell you. As you continue to participate in certain things over here and maybe doing certain things over there, you start to have the enjoyment and satisfaction that you once had in the past. But you are obviously forgetting the reasons that you stopped doing those things in the past to begin with. Once you start taking the bite out of temptation, you separate yourself from God. When God is teaching you how to live a life which glorifies him, there are no negotiations to fulfill worldly self-pleasures. Even if you don't take the first bite, the enemy will keep reminding you either in your mind or he will show you other people who are participating in the things you used to do so that you can try to be reminded of past habits and past actions. He tries to make you feel that you are missing out on something. Now, what you can't do is to play on both sides of the fence at the same time. It is at this time where you will make a choice to either follow God or to keep following the enemy and indulging into your temptations and desires. Now, the second way that the enemy tries to get you off your course is to cause you to feel guilty about your past and to make you feel worthless. By having the self-pity and maybe even the guilt from your past, you will start to feel as if you don't measure up to the standards of Jesus and maybe that you just don't even deserve Christ's love. By feeding you with these thoughts, he will continue to manipulate you. And the situations that you may be even thinking about, it may start to cause you to maybe second guess some things. The enemy enjoys when you are in a state of despair or shame. So if you can continue to allow yourself to keep feeling this way, it makes his job even easier as he starts to attack you even more. Then, when you are at rock bottom, he enjoys that because he sees that you are just so vulnerable that you will start to do whatever he places into your mind, even if it is something that is destructive. You just don't want to keep feeling the way that you feel. So he will say whatever he needs to say to you to get you to continue to participate in his narrative. Also, if the enemy decides to bring past family and friends into your life that you used to hang around with to do those things, it makes the situation even better for him because he recognizes that misery loves company. If he has other people to influence you, 
he doesn't have to worry as much because you are giving in to the temptations easier. And he doesn't have to work as hard because he has other people working for him to help his narratives. Even if some of those people don't influence you, he doesn't mind bringing in someone new to help his cause. Somehow, some way, you have to find a way to turn off the enemy's narrative, especially if it pushes you into a direction of revisiting some past situations that cause you to give in to those things. Although the seed of lust is something physical that all people can experience, people have different levels or degrees of it that they have dealt with. Hopefully and prayerfully, your situation is not too bad and you are basically able to fix the situation before it can get out of hand. Please understand that no matter what you have done in the past, Jesus paid the price for every sin in this world. Now, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. And again, that's 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 24. This is the confidence that you shall have and hold on to. And that is that Jesus took on the sins of the world. Jesus paid the price for you no matter what lies the enemy tries to tell you. The enemy doesn't want you to know who you really can become in Christ. Because you will be a threat to him and his plans of destruction for your life. That is why he is working so hard to get you to do the things that please your flesh and more importantly, that please him. He doesn't care how things affect you and he really doesn't care about you. He's just trying to find a way to entice you so that you will keep giving in to the temptations of your flesh with the hopes that you can be taken out for good. Now, if you had stopped giving in to sin and you had an encounter with God that caused you to turn away from the temptations of the enemy, continue to ask yourself what had happened to cause you to walk away the first time. What were you feeling? What things did you learn? And what was it that caused you to start trusting in God? Now, on Monday, I will continue to discuss this conversation. So please come back and see how things unfold and what God will do in our lives as we are conquering the seeds of destruction. Take care and stay safe, everyone. Bye-bye. Public author and speaker Maureen Y. Smith brings help and encouragement to deal with real life issues, giving you permission to live the life of abundance that God wants you to live, allowing peace, joy, and freedom to reign in your life. To book Maureen at your next event or small group, email destruction at gmail.com. And to follow Maureen along in this journey, purchase your discounted copy of Conquering the Seeds of Destruction book and workbook at destruction.com. That's destruction.com.